Welcome to Deadly Discussions. I'm your host, Isaac Harrison, a podcast about social entrepreneurship. Before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional landowners on whose land we record, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Now, today we have Frank, Frank Mitchell. Is the surname? Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. That's good. Morning, good. I'm, I'm terrible with names. Good morning to yourself. Um, now, I'm really excited, and I just briefly said it before we started recording, but I haven't met Frank in person. I've only known Frank by his work's sake. So I'm very, very excited to hear the story. And um, yeah, let the listeners know what you're doing over there in Western Australia. Sure. Uh, well, a little bit about myself. Um, grew up in a small country town in the southwest and um, sort of growing up, um, it's right about the age that my son is now, at 14, where yep. I started to notice um, that uh, very easy to, to fall into uh, very small country town syndrome, I guess, as yep. some people refer to it, but um, not a lot going on for youth. Um, marijuana was, was a big um, sort of feature of the day. Yeah, and um, in many ways, we had our deadly treadleys riding yeah. all over the countryside, and um, not much else going on. You make your own mischief. Yeah, um, sort of. As as you got older, you realised, well, is this is this my this is my destiny? You know, am I going to be stuck in this town forever? Yeah, um, and it was only until opportunity came about that sort of enabled me to uh, get into electrical apprenticeship and and, and sort of. Um, look back and realise, wow, um, there's you know still friends down there that are yep. struggling, and it's it's really sad. And and why why was I chosen? You know how how did I get out of there? And yep. well, you sort of connect the dots, but um, it's really been a driving force um, from from myself um, finding myself as as a part owner in an electrical company, yep. Wilco Electrical, um, as one of the directors. It's really um, also with my my Wajak Noongar blood. Yep. Um, is is a driving passion of mine to create more outcomes. Just having sort of lived firsthand the, the challenges faced for those who are who are just needing that little leg up in in life. Yeah. Um, and an electrical uh, skill is is um, something that does uh, you can take anywhere in this in this great nation and um, find uh, generally where it works um, uh, come from all facets of the electrical pie. So yeah. Um, for me, a goal was pitched. And, and we had a company sort of little get together and about uh, probably coming up to three years now, yep. uh, we created the 20 Aboriginal Electrical Apprentices by 2020 goal. Yeah, wow. And that's, um, we're up to our seventh. Um, it's not yeah. about numbers. We, we really aren't sitting there saying, you know, once we hit the 20, it's all over. It really is that's just right, about getting yeah. awareness and, and making other companies, especially in, in Perth, where we're in a mining state and there's a lot sort of talked about what's going on up in the north. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like companies in, in the city here, um, we feel that could do more. So it is really yep. about awareness. Um, and that stems through to not just apprenticeships. Um, we've got Antonia Dan, um, who's about four hours um, drive from uh, a small community yep. um, at, at north of um, Kalgoorlie. Yep. And she's come in as an admin girl. So it, it's just, yeah, really pushing yeah. along with the awareness of, of creating positions. Yeah, and wow. people uh, a leg up. Well, let's, um, go, let's go back. Let's unpack the first bit there with the story. So sure. small country town. Uh, what are we talking? 1,000, 5,000? Uh, 150 people. 150 people. 
Wow, I'm going to write that one down. Um, that is indeed a small town. And people living out there, what's that? Um, livestock or some um, farming? It, it's um, it's not a wheat belt town, um, yeah. but it's probably a um, small. There's arts and craft. Um, it, it it's not too far from where tin was found. Um, yeah, in a, in, and it's a town over, so. Um, it's not classified as a mining town, but it's close enough. Yeah. Um, and it's in the southwest where, where mines aren't um, as um, in abundance as, as up in the north of, yep. of the okay. state. So most people would be driving over to the mine or that's, driving that's to the right. next couple of towns to get there. Yeah, that's see, that's a whole different world to me. Growing up in country town in Queensland, it was centred around the cane and then that industry sort of dissipated um, and changed and what happens like you said about the yandi or uh, that's my language for weed I don't know if you use the same but is um, it comes in because there is literally uh, nothing to do Mm. and there's no opportunity and I like how you said it was just that little opportunity that you took and a lot of people I talk to it's all about those that 1% where they've done something Mm. in life they followed what their parents did or their parents did and there's this little opportunity and they just put yeah. all of the money on the table, put it all on that one bet. And it sounds like um, what you've done. Let's um, talk about your culture. So was it Waja and Noongar? That's right. So yeah. um, it's been an interesting journey because I, I am um, Caucasian with blue eyes and so yeah. I'm proud of both my, my Waja Noongar connection but also um, my uh, Caucasian connection and I yeah. think... Um, it's a sad fact that today in, in this society, and I do hope um, the sooner that this happens, the better. Yep. That a, a, a male, white, Caucasian male, is is at the top of the privileged tree. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've identified that long ago, and um, really wanted to use that as maximum effect to, yeah, wow. um, you know, inspire and, and at the same time educate others and try and. Um, Get others to get on board as, as recognizing that, um, and the passion breeds um, breeds yep. strong from from the Wajak Noir connection. Yep. And, um, my family um, being really amazing um, growing up, and, and uh, at the moment um, that they could tell me, um, you know, yep. that the moment I was told my connection to the first Australians, it was a special moment, knowing that, and, and I could feel it. You yeah. know, it's just as simple as being told yeah. that being connected to this land is is truly unique. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I think man. a lot of a lot of white Australians, you know, often I go to Coles and people ask, you know, what nationality are you? And because I look all sorts but Aboriginal, because I've got the Anglo nose from my father. Um, I say I'm, you know, I'm Indigenous. My mum's uh, Aboriginal. My father's white Australian. Originally, descendants came from Yorkshire, England. And um, a lot of people, you know, like yourself, blue eyes, blonde hair or red hair, brown hair, will say, mm. I just recently found out that my great-grandmother was Indigenous and it was hidden from the family mm. records as like a shame thing because, mm. you know, if you had a drop of Aboriginal blood, you'd be classified as a half-caste and you'd be sent off to missions, separate missions mm. from the full bloods that were taken away. And I think it's really starting to ask the questions to a lot of Australians because the mm. identity of what it is Australian is really changing, especially with the migration coming in. And like you said, which is like, that just blows my mind away how raw 
that is about being the white uh, privilege, you've said. And it's something I've always thought, oh, I don't know if that's real, you know, I don't know if that's like legit, is it just people sort of, you know, exaggerating? But I've been doing a lot of studies lately on the American Civil War and about breeding the African right. slaves and about, the, um, you know, if they had white blood, they were treated a certain way. And they did it with the indigenous people here. They do it in South Africa as well, with the coloreds. Mm. And it is, there was like this um, food chain. And if you were white with blue eyes, you were at the top of the food chain. Mm. And um, we know things don't change overnight. And as generations go on, you know, and the TV shows and the media that surrounded that stuff and promoted, even back to advertising, it was all always like a Caucasian person, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's ingrained into us as a society, both black, white, and Asian. So, yeah, it's very interesting you you saying that as a blue-white, um, fair-skinned man. And I know my, my middle brother, he was uh, fairer skin and had hazel eyes with brown hair. So he would often feel out of place because he didn't look indigenous, but he didn't look white. So mm. he would always feel out of place. So that's crazy. So you take in this chance, the small town, you took an electrical apprenticeship. Was that in the mines? No, no, it was in the, the city. Yep. And, um, you know, uh, in a way, again, it's, um, there is, um, they say in football, there's a bit, there's a, there's a bit of luck in football. And I, yep. I think I'd have to say the same applies um, in looking for that opportunity. Um, yep. Sometimes you just get your break. And um, I owe that to my uncle um, from yep. my mum's side. And um, so... For, for that, that is why it's also, I, I really do see it as an extra um, yeah. difficult task for, for those who are really hard at searching and, and I often get approached um, by people who are looking and, and we're always striving to accommodate um, every opportunity that comes our, our yeah. way in terms of um, giving everyone maximum opportunity to, to engage with the company, yeah. whether it's work experience, if we've, got, we've just taken on an apprentice, um, but that, in a way, um, is where I sit there and say, you know, where would I be without my uncle? Yeah. Um, and it really, again, ties back into my, my passion and drive. Um, well, the, the collective of the whole company's passion and drive to, yeah. you know, create those outcomes because it's not easy. Um, yeah, definitely. And it's definitely not easy. Yeah, that's, so, you know, he, he's... Um, sold the company um, to me because he um, moved on to another company yeah and that's where um, really for him uh, being from my mum's side um, yeah he wasn't um, probably coming from a background that I I had yeah um, and 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 didn't have the Wajak Noongar but he's yeah he's a, he's a beautiful man and very supportive of the moment that um, it was pitched it's uh Let's 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 really do something here, and he's he's still very much involved. So it's really great to still have him yeah. um, hanging about and giving support. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And, that's that legacy, isn't it? That's right, and the support is is key. I think um, you know we we're trying to start a program with uh, one of the largest uh, employees employers of uh, uh, apprentices, electrical apprentices here in Perth. Yeah, called Electrical Group Training. Yeah, and we're saying to them, look, if we can work with you to at least give uh, apprentices a, a first year run at Wilco. They, yep. they feel supported um, with, the, with the culture um, and and what we are trying to uh, achieve. It then enables them to, to go back to electrical group training 
Yeah. Um, and if they go to other companies, they're not going to be feeling so um, uh, well. Uh, there's a range of emotions that you may feel as a first-year apprentice that's starting out at a company, and yeah. who knows what companies out there and what the types of um, companies' culture yeah. may may be too much for for a first year. Yeah, um, definitely. Especially you know a young Aboriginal uh, male or female coming in from from uh, the remote outback. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, like Antonia Dan. Yeah. Um, who's in the office with us? Um, yeah. You know, and and all of a sudden you've got a really poor culture in a certain company. Yeah. It could really have a, a, a you know detrimental effect. Yeah. So we're really looking at this new program to um, get them skilled up for the first year because there's a, there's a lot of people looking for work and we yep. can't take um, everyone in. But at the same time, if we can create avenues and pathways to give them a, a leg up in just that first year, they may go on to another yep. company and find that they, they feel a lot more confident. And that's, um, that's so important. You know, my guys, we've got um, myself a saltwater man and uh, I've got the South Sea Islander bloodline too. And a lot of my culture, especially us North Queenslanders and uh, Southeast, are very uh, extroverted as Indigenous people, very loud, very involved. You know, we love our rugby yeah, league. And um, so the boys here, and we've got another brother there, he's got saltwater ties too, working, and we're very off each, off each other's back, you know, bouncing to and fro. And we recently put on um, a Noongar girl, um, a Winmire actually, and um, right. she will come to the events and do the talk and, and share and stuff. But then she's very introverted when she's in the office. And the boys ask if they did something wrong to offend yeah. her. Oh, did we not accommodate and stuff like that? And I was just sharing with them between the different saltwater and uh, you know the desert mobs. I said a lot of the desert mobs, in my experience, are, are very introverted, are very mm. quiet, very, um, very reserved. And I said, um, you haven't done anything wrong, you know. In fact, if you probably keep talking and pestering them, then you probably have done something wrong. But I was like, they're actually very different from me because they're like, oh, no, all Indigenous people are like Isaac, like, you know, loud and jumping around, high energy. I said, actually, that's like my entire family. If you come to a, a Cup Murray, you know, we pull the dugon out of the ground, it's very loud. <laughs> it's always loud to like, you know, 1230 at night. And um, that's irregardless of um, alcohol and drinking. We're just sort of naturally a very high energy um, people. Yeah. And um, and I was explaining it to the guys, and they just didn't like understand that. But now they're starting to like cater around that, and really Good. like give space to um, Janaea and um, and work out her strengths and her weaknesses. And yeah, and those things, you know, they just they just take time. Company culture. And so um, yeah, it's exciting to hear what you've done there about the twenty, going for the twenty apprentices. Um, and these yeah. apprentices, this um, is this anyone? Is this or particularly just indigenous, or is it women, um, mainly your more female engineers, or I mean, sorry, apprentices? The 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 twenty by twenty twenty is um, definitely Aboriginal um, target target yep. driven, um, yep. and um, we uh, I can't wait for the day. I, I'm not going to say. I, I hope I'm going to say it will yep. one day. Yeah, uh, an Aboriginal uh, female electrician apprentice. Yep. Um, but um, you know, we we creating jobs is is very difficult, especially as a, what was a small family owned um, electrical yep. uh, contracting business. Yep. Um, and as that that grows, um, there's lots of challenges of, of growing a company. Yep. Uh, let alone, um, unfortunately, it's the, the great uh, catch twenty two of creating apprenticeships in an industry which yep. is very much uh, up and down. 
and ebbs and flows with um, the economy, with yep. what's happening in Perth. If the mining sector um, cools off, you have a lot of uh, companies moving back down into the city. Yeah, puts pressure on those below them, and it flows down to uh, small companies like us. So, yeah, uh, a four-year commitment um, because the last and worst nightmare, which I, I would lose and I have lose, lost some sleep over, is. Uh, the one day having to say, look, we, we've run out of work to continue a, a four years uh, a commitment apprenticeship. So, yep. um, thankfully, that's that's never happened yet. Yeah. But um, that is um, the the, the catch twenty two of the contracting is um, you, you're kind of always just looking over the hill with the work that's coming in and winning the work. Yes. You don't have this lovely pipeline of sustained, yeah, uh, uh, guaranteed income of of work. So uh, yep. every time we we create an apprenticeship, we we really um, do sit down and, and make sure that this is this is um, something we know that we can make it to the very best yeah, of what we are currently dealing with. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, for us on the project management side and taking our own projects and running the whole um, thing from start to finish is um, getting buy-in from our electricians and apprentices to say, "Hey, guys, you know, there's a bit of work on the other side of the fence in the office." that you might not see. You might just see the job pack come through and the address, you know, and the uh, stock rock up on site. And mm. You've got a couple of days to do it and then you're on to the next one. Mm. But there's actually a fair bit of work and, um, like you said, luck to actually get that all to come together. And yeah. um, that's one thing I found was our biggest strength was instead of just doing these meetings every month where we work on culture and it was just the leaders, I'm like, oh, let's just get everyone in. Like everyone, you know, even this is a first year apprentice, it was like his third week, walks in, we've got pizza and we've got a four hour meeting on company culture and, you know, everything from um, meeting a new client to the sales, to the handover, to the, you know, follow up and after sales. And um, that really, I think, opened everyone's eyes to be like, oh, this is much bigger than just a job, a nine to five, and that it creates that family accountability with each other because, so, you know. It's a really good point, Isaac, and it has actually. Uh, been something that we've um, we are reminded when we have um, some of the senior electricians who have been yeah. around some time come in and join us in the office, and 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 it reminds us just that yeah. um, if if we're not doing that on a regular basis, getting people to see what is happening in the office, yeah. um, some of the comments that they make is uh, sort of jolts us back into realization of how yeah. uh, they they're not seeing the internal uh, workings on a daily level. And yeah. and just and just how challenging it is, yeah, definitely. Uh, running a small business and and yep. the tight margins and how competitive it is. So it yep. is a, it's a great point, and yep. I think um, it definitely has spurred us it, to, to um, it, be more aware of that. And the other one, Frank, I'd, I have to throw it past you. My my wife was at a dinner Sunday night. Um, I was away in Mildura for the night. The lady says, oh, "What does your husband do?" And then Amy says, "Well, he." Um, He's indigenous and he runs a business that's geared at helping indigenous communities, you know, mainly renewables, um, mm. sort of like an energy company. And she said, "Oh, that's good because he would get he gets lots of handouts, doesn't he? You know, he must like get heaps of government contracts." And Amy waited like the next day to tell me, so I didn't call and abuse anyone. Um, but to me, like, and we talk about the comments sometimes our contractors make, and like it's a little quirk back and forth. But one of the, the most piercing things is after you've put so much hard work, your own belief in yourself and in your team, you put money on the table, 
You know, you don't, you're coming home at the end of financial year with not much because you're looking after your guys. And then someone says, oh, yeah, you're there because the government gave you a handout. They have no idea. And they have no idea. So I want to say, how many, how many handouts have you received, Frank? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. Yeah. Look, I'm open yeah. for I'm open for discussion where I don't know where they're doing these handouts. Like, do I go down to no, uh, Centrelink or do I go down to Parliament more. House and say, "Excuse Who, me, what, yeah, what's this woman's name?" Yeah, what's this woman's name? <laughs> uh, it's just a crack up, and um, you know, I'm on the Small Business Ministerial Council for the state government here, and there's Great. so many grants and handouts for like multicultural businesses, um, normal Australian businesses that want to go and get their ISO or they want to go and increase capability. But it seems to be this mentality that blackfellas just women in handouts. So that's the business. It was just funny to just bounce that one off you. Um, so, Frank, in yeah. five to ten years, where's yourself and where's Wilco? Well, um, something I think is really exciting that I'd love to share yeah. is um, this Australian first that we've just achieved. Yeah, go. Now, um, so um, being an electrical company, you know, you sort of, it's a great industry because of the um, exciting technology changes and yep. also the challenges that presents um, with training your guys and new lighting systems, et cetera, et cetera. But yep. something that um, has come our way through um, a colleague of mine on the team, he, he um, kept in touch with a friend who ended up at a company called Zero Mass Water in Arizona, United States. Yep. Now, their product um, is uh, water uh, from air and sunlight technology. Yeah, I've seen Basically, this. Yeah. yeah, it's a standalone unit that has a single solar panel, what looks like two hot water system panels to the left and right, about yep. the size of a small dining table. Yep. It sits up on an angle, as you see your solar panels do, facing the sun. Yep. And inside is a battery uh, and a range of components um, that uh, basically, as the sun hits the solar panel, the solar panel whirs up the uh, fans and it pulls, sucks in all the air over uh, the during sunlight hours. It doesn't work yep. at night, obviously, as the sun is yeah, down. Of course, yep. But that sunlight is powering those fans yep. and uh, it collects tiny little uh, moisture, the droplets from the air, uh, enough to make uh, around 250 to 300 uh, bottles of uh, Mountain Franklin 600 mil equivalent yep. um, every month. Every and month. So that's a single unit. So that's we've just insane. done... But the community of Butterwingi, which is outside of Meeksara, uh, about 10-hour drive from Perth, yep. um, they um, actually discovered, yep. um, and Obintio is a real mover and shaker of that community. Yep. He's um, trying to do also <laughs> a challenging task, which is a barramundi farm in the desert, oh, wow. effectively, yep. aquaponics style. But he yep. um, got told his water was all safe. They've been drinking this water. Yep. He decides to build an aquaponics farm, does his own individual test, yep. finds that there's uranium in his water, wow. and they've been drinking it this whole time, and it's wow. just such a sad story and really it's terrible. Um, really rocked him to the core for, for obvious reasons. Yep. He, he had about 50 people at the community oh uh, at the peak, and when yep. they found that out, it's dropped right back down to oh there's only 10, 10 or 15 of them now living yep. there. So we heard about this um, story uh, yep. from The Guardian, actually, and we thought, wow, this is this is a real great opportunity to bring safe, clean drinking water to their to their community. Yeah. So over the Australia Day weekend, uh, myself uh, and three others from Wilco, we we drove up with yep. the units on the car trailer and installed six units. Yeah. He's now um, got enough bottled drinking water 
for yep. his whole community to to um, uh, eliminate uh, his his reliance on bottled water from the yep. town. Yeah. Yeah. And um, for us, we you know we weren't even thinking about it, but someone came up and said, you know, this is this is actually the first uh, time that anybody's taken a um, community, um, yep. not necessarily just Aboriginal, any community in Australia, yep. uh, off their reliance on, on bottled water um, yep. or, or groundwater for, for drinking purposes. Yeah. So we're really, wow. um, really wrapped about um, getting the, the solution out there. The next big hurdle and challenge yep. is proving this, this example that we have the, the proof to yep. um, get to those in need. And, and we can eliminate um, this, this challenge for, for many communities across across the nation. Yeah, and that, you know, see right there is why, and just hearing the stories why I'd classify you as, as a social enterprise because you really you really go that extra step. You know, you really wear one for the team to for the benefits of others. You know, it's not for, so you can sell these panels, like even the apprenticeships things, going out of your way to find the one of the lowest socioeconomics um, demographics in Australia and provide a training pathway. You know, like constantly going out of your way. A lot of Indigenous business leaders are doing that with their business. That's why I always classify mm. them as a social enterprise. You know, we're yeah. not in it for profits, not in it to be a shareholder. Um, but it goes to show as well that you've got to take that initiative, like see that opportunity in the Guardian and then make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we... Um it wasn't uh, Ando couldn't afford uh, to, to buy these units, and, yeah. and we um, were basically we had already been in, in discussion with various departments to say we have a solution. But yeah. um, all of it um, was was really sort of falling on deaf ears, and um, yeah. we we decided well let's just donate get get the the solution out there yeah. via word of mouth and and. Media, ABC um, jumped on it because they yep. thought it was um, worth shouting from the rooftops about. And so, yep. um, overall, we just we just want people to know that there is a solution and it yep. exists. Yeah, awesome, hundred percent, mate. That's uh, fantastic. So, five, ten years, you'll be installing solar farm versions of these uh, hydro panels. Yeah. <laughs> no. it's, it's funny, uh, Isaac. I, when I first came across the technology, I thought yep. all this talk on wars on water in the future. Yep. Yeah. Um, almost all those books you could say goodbye to because this, yep. this technology is, is really incredible. And yes, I, I did have a, a moment of a picturing solar PV arrays, and behind the solar PV arrays, you had the hydro, yep. uh, the water from air technology arrays. Yep. Um, so, oh, it's exciting, yeah. mate! It's bringing people back to, you know, when people used to have farms, they had sheep, they had um, chickens, they had maybe some rabbits, they had some lettuce, they had some, they had a bit of everything, you know, and it was seasonal. Mm. And I think it's bringing people back to that micro you know, right. scale of living. It's like you don't have to go to the city. You don't have to go to a mining town. If you can get enough resource, you can live comfortably off the land and off the grid. So, That's right. Um, Excited, right. mate. Well, we're out of time. I thought that would happen because I'm here That's listening fine, to your story, getting to know you more. And um, we'll look forward to catching up with yourself soon. And uh, thanks Absolutely. for coming on. I appreciate the opportunity. I look forward to talking to you more about Isaac and hearing more about what you're doing as well. No worries, Frank. I'll talk to you soon, mate. No worries. Take right, care. Right. Bye-bye. Bye.